I am excited and nervous to record today's episode because I think it's going to be one of the most powerful conversations we have. And I think it's going to be a really tough pill to swallow for a lot of people, understanding why things are happening the way they are in the school systems, why schools are just not cutting it alone, how they're not going to contribute to your kids becoming the leaders they're called to be, and how they were actually strategically designed like corporations during the Industrial Revolution over 150 freaking years ago. You chose a different path in business, right? You didn't go the conventional route. You shouldn't be going a conventional route when it comes to your kids' education. And I'm not saying pull them from school. I'm saying be aware of what's happening so that you can facilitate change in your children's lives and growth. We are going to have a very real, very factually, historically-based conversation that's going to shake you up and change the trajectory of your future. Let's do it. Let's raise them upright. You're listening to the Luminary Leadership Podcast, where we elevate successful entrepreneurs into powerful leaders doing work that really matters. And this episode is dedicated to raising luminaries. If you listen to this show, you already know that it's not about you anymore. As a leader, a real luminary, you're here to deeply impact others. I feel it too. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, a business leadership strategist and mom who's passionate about raising up that next generation of leaders. Looking at my three kiddos, I realized that I wanted to do entrepreneurship differently for them. Society is failing the next generation, and once a week on this show, we're doing something to change that. Whether you're a parent with your own little luminary, or you want to heed the call of impacting those trailing you, this short but sweet episode will give you guidance and inspiration you can bring around your dinner table or into your community. You want to create your legacy? Here's where you start. Let's raise them up right. In episode 55, How the School System is Failing Our Kids, part one, I shared a story about how schools are measuring our kids based on if they are on the college pathway or at risk of not going to college. My husband and I had a conversation with our our financial advisor who we started working with before we had children. We knew we wanted kids and we were praying that we'd be blessed with them and we were. So as we were planning, we were saying, obviously, they're going to go to college, so we have to plan for that, and we got to put enough money away so that we can support them, and it was an automatic thing. We met with him the other day, and the conversation was starkly different. It was, college is an option, and it's not even the best option. So we thankfully socked away a lot of money for their education that might be put towards starting a business of their own someday or investing in a home or a property. College is just one of many options. So today I'm going to get into the weeds about how and why the school system was designed, and I want to shed some light on the purpose of school, and if that lines up with your own entrepreneurial values, and have some questions for you to reflect on that are going to make an impact on your kids. And I want to preface this because I know I get people emailing me. I am not knocking the school system, and I also stand behind and applaud so many teachers who are breaking the chains of the school system and making a positive impact. So this is not a reflection on teachers specifically. This isn't even a reflection necessarily on leadership in certain schools. And I know there's some gems out there, but I want to talk about why the school system was even designed and what it's intended to do and how we can't become a cog in the system. We cannot become just autopilot, send them off to school and not even think about it because there are things that you might need to be doing to compensate for what the schools are not doing. So let's start with a little history lesson. 
This is a summary based on the work of John Taylor Gatto and Sir Ken Robinson and Jeff Sandifer. As a team, we've been weirdly obsessed with researching these concepts and we wanted to make it easier for you. So we're going to save you the massive amount of time that we've invested and discuss the important parts, give you the cliff notes, the things that we really didn't know and now we do know and we feel like more people need to know. The Industrial Revolution in the United States changed everything for families. And the work we do at the Luminary Leadership Company, even though we're helping entrepreneurs scale and grow their businesses and business strategy, it's all for the sake of the family. Everything for us, our mission at its core is family. How can we equip these entrepreneurs with the tools they need to grow their business in alignment with their family and their family's values, putting their family first and really uh, modeling leadership for the next generation to make that positive change in the world? But when the Industrial Revolution came along, so this is 1820 to 1870, everything shifted for the family. So some highlights, okay? The production of goods moved from home businesses where products were made by hand to machine production in factories. And the spread of industrialization required that people fill roles as factory workers. That's the crux of this whole thing. They went from being home as a family to these factories needing workers and pulling people out of the home and into the factories. So that's a massive shift. Previously, these Americans, they worked from home. They were in a small shop. They were outdoors getting sun on their bodies and touching the dirt. They were crafting raw materials into products. They were growing crops and their kids were alongside them. They were witnessing them. They were often in teamwork with them. And in the Industrial Revolution, people began to take jobs in factories, working for these large companies and doing this repetitive, mindless, cog-like work. This started to break the spirit of the American family because the spirit used to be in the home, together, working as a team. Kids were witnessing what it means to be a hard worker, what it, what it means to be a family, what it means to eat meals around the table together, what it means to grow your own food from wonderful sources on your own property and bring it into your home and cultivate it into a meal that nourishes your body. It was such an incredible opportunity to raise kids in a lot of the entrepreneurial values that we preach about on our show. What also happened was these new jobs for the working class were in cities, and it began to transition in the U.S. from rural living to urban society. Young people who were once being raised on farms saw greater opportunities in the cities, and they started to move there. So this picture society as farms and small shops and then shifting into cities and big factories. This time period transformed the lives of Americans arguably more than any other time in U.S. history with economic, technological, and social changes. But I keep coming back to the changes in the family. The changes in the family, where kids were being raised and connected alongside their parents, and then were being taught out of the home through a system that had its own agenda. Values shifted from being taught in the home to out of the home. Everything changed. And when that core family, that team on a mission together, gets broken apart and splintered and goes in different directions, it changes everything. And that ripple effect bleeds into society. 
There's so much to dissect here, but the point I want to make is how this time period impacted the idea of work and has residual effects on the corporate world of today. So let's talk about that, the corporate world. You could make more money doing mindless assembly work in a factory than you could on your own, than you could on your own farm or in your own small shop. So big businesses became monopolies and small mom and pop shops couldn't compete anymore. Sounds familiar. It's stuff we even see today. So for many people, work started to become more about making a living, making money, bringing money back to the home than pursuing a purpose. But there are so many other pieces to that. So where families were once growing their own food and sustaining at home, they no longer could do that because they didn't have the capacity to be doing that. So people's health started to shift because they were buying system-created food. This whole thing is such a mind F and crazy ripple effect that we just take for granted and we don't think about because we've been so immersed in the system. So this idea, too, of retirement, right, that wasn't a thing. It was born out of this period of the Industrial Revolution when aging factory workers literally had nothing left in the tank and they started to slow down the assembly lines or call in sick. And these industries started taking jobs for they started bringing in more youthful, profitable workers. So they created retirement because it's basically like, you're of no use to us anymore. You're slowing down production. You're slowing down the possibility of more money. Get out. During this time, too, it was also believed that a man's best work was done before they were 40 years old. And after age 60, they were seen as useless and they were kind of put out to pasture in a working sense. And we've seen this reflected in our society even now where things like nursing homes didn't exist. The home was the hub. So you raised your babies and then those babies eventually took care of you. But no longer people get put out to pasture, they get put into nursing homes, they get put into other care facilities because at a certain point they're of no use anymore and they become a burden. Okay, listen, before I keep going, I know plenty of people who would rather not hear this stuff because it's too hard to hear. You don't want to feel like you're a part of a system. You don't want to feel like you think you're in control and then you hear this crap and you're like, oh my God, I had no idea. I'm shipping my kids off to school, not thinking twice about it. I'm going off to my, you know, career and not thinking twice about it. We don't want to believe that we're being manipulated. And I I know there are plenty of people that are like, oh, gosh, it's too heavy. But what I want to do is bring you the awareness so that you can make conscious choices for your family. For many of you, that choice is going to be to keep your kids in school. That's okay. But when you become aware, you can equip them at home so that they're strong and courageous going off into that system. Around that same time, labor unions formed to protect the workers and negotiate better working conditions, fewer hours, higher pay. And retirement plans were developed to basically pay the older generation to get out of the way, to move on. Big business needed employees to be obedient, to follow the rules, not to question authority or what was asked of them, and certainly not to think for themselves. There's a quote by Andrew Carnegie that says, the worker has no more to do with setting his wages than does a piece of coal with setting its price. How sad. So this then led to the need to control the future people of the workforce and forced schooling began in the 1800s. Forced. This was mandated schooling right on the heels of the Industrial Revolution. Carnegie and Rockefeller, two names I'm sure you're familiar with and we often hear about how wonderful they were, They were so concerned about the massive amount of people moving to the cities to work in factories, 
And so these two men decided to professionalize education. In other words, they wanted to build a school system that would turn out docile factory workers. That was literally the goal of school. And can you see it? Like when you really think about it and you think about how the system is designed, we're creating cogs. That is what it's designed to do. Now, I will say again, there are teachers and people within the system that break the chains of that, that do incredibly good work, that make an impact, that don't even know and are also like us on autopilot, not even thinking about that, think that the school system is just there to provide. But John Taylor Gatto, who is one of the top teachers in the country year after year, who wrote these books that have blown my mind, he has a quote that says, the wrong it does from a human perspective is right from a system perspective. So even though this is doing a detriment to our kids, from a system perspective, it's spot on. And it makes sense. Long rows of industrial lockers, children sitting in rows of desks all day. A six-year-old going into a classroom and being told to sit down and shut up and listen all day. I'm homeschooling. I have a six-year-old. I can't even fathom him sitting in a desk. Like, kudos to these kids who pull it together to do something that they are not designed to do. They are not designed to sit still and shut their mouths all day. Teachers in authority making them memorize what they say. Every 45 minutes, a bell rings to interrupt and tell you it's time to change your thinking, even if you're in the middle of a creative thought, right? There's an awesome Jeff Sandifer TED Talk that I recommend around this exact idea. We wonder why we're designed to just go from one thing to the next and just to follow the rhythm and follow the flow of the river. Even if we're in the middle of an art class and we're making something beautiful and wonderful, it gets shut down and we move on to the next thing. The objective of the creation of the school system was to create future obedient workers. That's why it was designed, who obey the chain of command and could operate in future big business settings. This is, and it's been said by the people who created, this is why it was created. So think about it. Who succeeds in school? The rule followers, right? The kids that speak out or have their own opinion or question authority or ask questions or are creative and think differently or want to learn differently, they're the troublemakers. They're the class clowns. But who are the people that are commended in school? The rule followers, the ones that get the good grades across the board. And then they go on to get an okay paying conventional job that doesn't bring them joy. Pay your dues until you're 65 and then go into retirement because you're obsolete. And instead of rewarding creativity or innovation, there are state mandated standards that all kids should fall into. Academic ability is measured in test-taking and fitting their mold. There are brilliant people in this world who think they're not intelligent because what they were good at wasn't valued in school. That's Sir Ken Robinson said that. There are brilliant people in this world who think they're not intelligent because what they were good at wasn't valued in school. How true is that? And how detrimental is that to the development of confidence and possibility within our kids? Your kid comes home, they have an A, an A minus, a B, and a D. Where does the focus go in the school? To the D. What's the problem here? Why didn't you get a, a better grade here? And no recognition of these other grades because all the energy is where are you failing or where are you falling short? You need to get better at that. But think about the most successful people you admire in your world. Were they great at everything? 
Are they just amazing at that one thing that they nurtured and cultivated? Arts and creativity, they were not celebrated in school, especially back then. As Sir Ken Robinson said in his famous TED Talk titled, Do Schools Kill Creativity? In school, you are steered away from the things you liked on the grounds that you will never get a job doing the thing you like. Don't do music, you'll never be a musician. Don't do art, you won't be a successful artist. There's a problem with this. And that is that my kids aren't widgets, and neither are yours. A widget is defined as a small gadget or mechanical device, especially one whose name is unknown or unspecified, a cog in the wheel, a part of a system. Richie Norton said, the industrial model is gone. People are more than machines. And I know as an entrepreneur, you feel this deeply because you've broken the mold. You've broken the rules. That's who you are at the core. We do not accept the ways of the corporate world. We're making and paving our own path. We are independent thinkers. We are asking questions. We are bucking the system. In fact, we would rather work 80 freaking hours a week for ourselves building our dream than punching a clock at 40 hours for somebody else with paid vacation and weekends off. And I don't know about you, but I plan to have just gotten started with my life's work by 40 right? Bringing years of experience and wisdom to how I show up in the world. When you love what you do and you spend your days in fulfilling work, you're not counting down the days until you're 65 and living for the day you can retire. You're living now, every day in the present, creating and building your legacy today. And that won't magically stop when you hit a certain age. So why are we accepting this factory style manufactured model for our kids if we're rejecting it for our way of doing business. As an entrepreneur, you're saying no by defining your own way of what work looks like in your life. And it's time to do it for our kids. Honestly, it's time our schools caught up. However, our mission here at the Luminary Leadership Co. is not to take on the school system. I told you all of this because I believe as entrepreneurial parents, we have the power to make sure that we're redirecting the messages they're getting, to actually leverage them, leverage the system. So whatever they're hearing through the system, school, society, and help them turn that into something better. I'm not bashing public schools. Uh, There are lots of positives. And some kids love that socialization and they thrive in that. I'm saying that we need to supplement And pay attention to what we're doing at home and be intentional to offset this messaging and line of thinking if we're going to raise future leaders and independent thinkers who can confidently rise to their calling. And we have no say in who our kids' teachers are, what their background is, what their values are, what their beliefs are. We can't expect them to understand or have the capacity to cultivate our children's unique strengths, right? or their passions, or their personality, or anything significant about your specific family values, or hopes, or dreams, or ideas, and where are they spending most of their time? When they get to certain ages, they're, they're in your, your home of awake a fraction of the time. Why do we think that a trained professional is going to be better equipped to teach them than those who love them and know them? And this is in no way bashing teachers. I can't say it enough. I have many teacher friends, and I love and respect them, and they're a positive in a broken system. This is simply to say we can't leave this important work only to them. It's on our plate, and it cannot be outsourced. Our kids spend a quarter plus of their time at school, and further, the homework that they're doing these days is staggering. I'm hearing it from my team members who have older kids in school, and they are literally cutting their kids off saying, enough, we're not doing this. I don't care that you have – this is not how we're going to live. 
And we're pushing them to the limit in their extracurricular activities, going from thing to thing, while giving them these devices to be in constant communication with their peers whom they're attaching to instead of us. And I'd ask, what percentage of time are you getting to model and make an impact in their lives? How much of the time gets to be intentional because we're so hurried? We have so much. I don't want this to be all doom and gloom because there are things we can do about it. You could choose to homeschool. And anyone that first thought is like my first thought of like, we can't. Like, that's just not in our. Listen, you can do anything. You just might have to sacrifice for it. You might have to give up comforts, make tough decisions and figure it out. So I just want to challenge anyone who immediately combats homeschooling as an option because it can be available to you. You just might not be able to squeeze it into life as it is today. You could choose from the variety of unconventional school options out there, right? More Montessori type or independent schools. Or you can supplement your child's education. And we are taking that on. We're creating resources as we speak, like Camp Luminary for entrepreneurs to bring their kids. And another secret project we're going to be sharing really soon that you do not want to miss if any of this is speaking to you, especially if you're feeling like, man, I'm not going to pull my kids right now, but I do need this help. We believe success starts at home. What is done in the home is most important of all. And you can start that today. And our voice and influence for our kids needs to be the strongest one in, our, in their lives. Your daily way of life needs to model those values. You need to be surrounded by a community of other entrepreneurs doing this work alongside you to inspire you and give you strength because this countercultural path will feel really lonely. And we need to integrate our business into our family lives as founder families. This is a call to arms. It's a, it's a plea, really, because our children and future generations are at stake, and it's up to us. And I believe that. I think we are the backbone of this change. Entrepreneurs, the ones that are willing to break the rules and do it differently and see it through a different lens. So I want to invite you to join the conversation. We are hosting a rally cry. It's called Bridging the Gap. It's a long-awaited shakeup in the way we approach entrepreneurship and parenting so we can quit feeling guilty and live more present, abundant, and fulfilling lives and raise our kids to be leaders while we're at it. It's about how to find that success as an entrepreneur and raise thriving kids without feeling split in two. So if you want to join this conversation, it's a free conversation. Do not miss it. Head on over to luminaryleadershipco.com forward slash rally cry, R-A-L-L-Y. C-R-Y. In this free conversation, powerful conversation, you're going to be connected with other people who are ready to lead this charge with us. And we're going to talk about what it looks like to achieve true freedom and fulfillment in business while bringing the same level of intention to your home. Transforming from an entrepreneurial parent who feels tugged in two opposite directions to becoming wildly successful in business and at home. Eliminating that constant cycle of guilt and overwhelm and comparison and hurry as an entrepreneurial parent. Raising leaders by being the leader in your home. What is required of you to do that since traditional school systems and society as a whole focus on creating good employees and fail to ignite independent thinking? Nurturing your children's unique purpose and strengths to help them develop true confidence and pursue what they are passionate about. And cultivating a framework to raise happy and successful kids without adding more to your already full plate. So I'm going to leave you with this thought, another quote by John Taylor Gatto. You either learn your way towards writing your own script in life, or you unwittingly become an actor in someone else's script. There's a generation of leaders waiting for us to step up to the call 
and guide them in forging their own paths. Are you up to the challenge? If you are, go to luminaryleadershipco.com forward slash rally cry and join this conversation. Let's lead this movement and let's raise them upright. I hope today's episode gave you exactly what you needed. And if it spoke to you, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next juicy episode. And don't be shy. I don't bite often. So come connect with me over on Instagram at Eliz Hartke. And if there's a topic or a question, a guest you want to hear on the show or an idea you have for us, just reach out and share your thoughts. We do this for you. So the more you tell us, the more we can serve. Thank you for spending some time with me. I really do appreciate you. So tune in next time to keep building that legacy and doing the work that really matters.